This is the On Call Podcast. Your home for sports, news, pop culture, tech, and the obscure. And of course, your host, Michael Meyer. Hey, everybody. This is Mike. This is the On Call Podcast. Um, coming at you pretty excited. I got to uh, interview uh, someone that I've followed for a long time. Uh, I followed a, a podcast called the uh, Caustic Soda Podcast for a long time, and uh, they haven't been doing episodes for a long time. Uh, one of their specialists is a uh, Dr. Rob Tarswell, and uh, I was just always fascinated listening to him and describing his, just so much profound knowledge. He's uh, he's into a lot. He's currently doing viral transmissions, which he's doing right now since the uh, COVID nineteen, which is affecting everyone's life. So I feel like having the the voice of reason with a lot of people is pretty helpful and he's out there trying to give good healthy information to everybody and uh i think it's it's good to listen to him and follow him i follow him on twitter at rob underscore tarswell he uh he's a chief medical officer and medical director of initio it's a it's a pet ct imaging clinic in uh, british columbia and he's constantly sharing good info on Twitter, whether it be about the virus or um, people spreading misinformation. I think everyone should honestly give him a listen and a follow and uh, listen to the interview. I had a, I had a lot of fun doing it, and I hope to have him on here again when I'm not such a fanboy. So uh, go ahead and listen to the interview with Rob Tarswell. He's an industrial engineer explaining the setup, but of course in a language that he didn't understand. So he was just trying to go with the visuals. Holy, oh, you know, there's a YouTube video for everything, it seems, <laughs> isn't there? There is. <laughs> Not necessarily in the language you want, but it's there. It's there. Absolutely. Um, so you're down in Florida. Yeah, so we... So are you still the chief medical officer at the... Uh, is that your clinic? The, what is it? I-N-I-T-I-S? It's, uh, it's called Initio. It's not my clinic. Um, it's uh, it, it's uh, held by a, a publicly traded company, yada, yada. Okay. Um, private medicine is actually really rare and um, unusual in Canada. So it's, uh, it's a private PET CT company. We do a lot of imaging for individuals with cancer. We do metabolic imaging with FDG. And right now, like everybody else, we've confined our work to essential imaging, although, you know, the bulk of our imaging was urgent staging in cancer. So that certainly qualifies okay. as absolutely essential. So we've kept the doors open, but we're running low on PPE like everybody. And um, we'll just keep going. We've, you know, we've got our replacement orders in. Uh, I hope that comes through, but I um, guess we'll see. I saw the uh, that tweet that you promoted about all the PPE being redistributed by the Homeland Security is redirecting people's PPE. As, that's the first I've heard of it. Do they, are they doing that at all for to up in BC? No, in uh, Canada we've got excellent coordination federally and provincially. So 
a couple of weeks ago, for instance, there were, we were running low in BC, Quebec, and Ontario. Alberta had excess stock, so they redirected some of theirs out to us. And as we get more in, there's federal coordination to make sure that all the provinces are getting what they need. Although in Alberta recently, they got a big bulk shipment of substandard material, oh. particularly masks. Yeah, so um, I guess we'll wait and see early in the week what happens there. We've also had a number of textile manufacturers start coming online, able to make masks, gowns, and eye shields. Uh, one guy here in in BC managed. Uh, he he sort of saw what was coming, and he his company makes pillows. And uh, what he did was he ordered the uh, tool sets from China so that he could start making surgical masks and respirators at just ludicrous quantities. But these machines can just stamp this stuff out all day long. And now he is making, uh, I think it's something in the neighborhood of uh, 100,000 masks a day um, and, and take orders from across the country and also 100,000 respirators a day. So um, I think we're starting to turn the ship around holy cow that's that's an amazing thing i wonder how i wonder how hard it was for him to be able to do that as far as, far as he, changing the manufacturing process yeah it, it, ordering the tools and so forth was easy um what uh, was the real struggle was as uh, a restriction I, I i couldn't believe how many people were that ready to get there to the beach wow <clears throat> Literally had the picnic baskets packed in their cars. Yeah, it's like AC going. <laughs> exactly, they were they were ready. I wonder how much of that is just the 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 general public. I mean, I work in healthcare. You work in healthcare, uh, so we have the gruesome knowledge. But I wonder, you know, the general public is like, well, you know, um, the officials have lifted the ban. It must be okay. Um, and my heart goes out to those people because they're just basically exercising trust in good governance, but they're not getting good governance. Have you heard anything about anything up there reopening early? Oh, no. I mean, the big uh, heartbreak in, in BC is uh, we all just found out, I think it was yesterday or Friday, that unfortunately we're not going to have our Pacific National Exhibition this year, which is a big fair that runs through the entire month of August. August and people are on saying, you know, trading their stories of going to the PNE in days gone by and uh, paying way too much money for mini donuts uh, and throwing darts at balloons that never pop and uh, trick dogs and it's 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 the whole thing, right? It's like oh, um, yeah. it's like taking the '80s uh, and, and freeze flash freezing the '80s and you get to go back and live in it for a month. So I get to pretend I'm 17 again. Um, but everyone's also saying, yeah, you know, it's the right decision. And we have to do this. So there seems to be still a large degree of public goodwill here and a great degree of trust in what's going on. I mean, we have daily briefings from our, our provincial health officer and our minister of health. And they're completely frank with the numbers, you know, this many new cases, this many recoveries, this many deaths. We have this many hospital beds available. So it's, it's, the, it's just the, the detail to um, a tedious level. It's it's like it's so much transparency. It's all the transparency you want, and um, some you don't probably. The public is really, yeah. So so the public's really resonating with that. And BC because we employed really stringent measures early, 
around March the 12th, we put in um, very stringent measures when we only had 53 test positive cases. We're now basically on a South Korea curve, and we want to obviously keep it that way. Truly flattening. So, yeah. So now that faster tests are coming, antibody tests are around the corner, uh, we have the opportunity really to, I think, cautiously but rationally reopen carefully with a good test trace and isolate protocol in place so that we can reopen the economy around little pools of quarantined individuals. That's awesome. I hope so. I, I see there even there's people testing positive for a second time. I didn't yeah, know that. Nobody's was... really sure what that's about. Is that a, a testing artifact or uh, if, if, the, if the disease is re-flaring? Because we certainly know that a lot of people, even when they get through the hospital phase, are just going through weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of recovery. Um, I was just reading a story this morning about a 38-year-old Ironman athlete who ended up in the hospital, and he's five weeks post-discharge. He's still oxygen-dependent. And I'm just like, oh, that guy oh. ran Ironmans. Five weeks still oxygen. So what do you think? Well, I mean, obviously, it's pure speculation since we don't have any long-term. Yeah. But in the long-term, do you anticipate this affecting people's lives for the rest of their life? I worry, absolutely. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people with lung scarring. There's going to be a lot of people who have permanently weakened uh, right ventricles from pushing blood through really stiff uh, lungs. There's now even some evidence of people going into renal failure, kidney failure because of this virus. It's like, okay, wow, how's that happening? Uh, some, some evidence of liver damage, some effect on T cells, sort of a white blood cell line. Um, and we're only like four and a half months into our total global experience of this virus. So we, ha we literally have no long-term data, but even the, 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 this kind of intermediate term data, a lot of it looks pretty ugly. Being in healthcare and seeing how poorly we get treated, you know, the, the amount of people we see, we still have to grocery shop so we get pretty evil-eyed going to the store and then people posting on Facebook how terrible we are for exposing them. Have you heard anything about it being compared to an HIV virus? Well, um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it's, I haven't heard those comparisons specifically. The, the possibility that it could affect T cells, that's kind of... That's an HIV-ish thing, because HIV, of course, affects T cells. Um, I don't think it's a chronic infection, but I don't know what to make of these folks whose tests are coming positive again. I mean, it does seem like, um, or at least a few weeks ago, it seemed like these were testing artifacts and that there were individuals who really were recovered, because it does seem like there are... You know, there is a segment of individuals who do kind of move into complete recovery. Uh, what to make of it uh, in these other folks, you know, and I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows at this point. Yeah, um, I guess that's the fear of a novel virus. It's just, I know, I, the, the unknown is just kind of terrifying at this point because there's so many things we don't know. So not knowing, right. you don't even yeah. know if someone can even truly recover. Yeah, there were, I mean, the, there's, a, there's a few types of just the, the common cold that are caused by different coronaviruses. So I think there was at least some early thought that, well, you know, this coronavirus really, really messes you up. 
But if you recover, you should recover completely like you recover from the common cold. But for a lot of individuals, there seems to be this residual syndrome that just grumbles on and on and on. Now, is that damaged organs or is that the lingering effect of uh, the virus and chronicity? I don't know those answers. And with these positive tests, are these all test artifacts or is there some segment of individuals who go on to chronicity? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I really hope we find out soon because we absolutely need these answers. Let's see. I guess it depends. What What was the date of the first positive test? That one I... I know our first positive test here in BC was January 27th, but that's obviously a little later in, in the whole evolution. Oh, that is pretty late, isn't it? And um, the person we both follow, Katie, she talked about she was sharing a bunch of information on it and that there is at least eight variances already, eight mutations of it, which is another scary thing, but it's all, yeah. they're not certain that it's eight. It's just eight slight variances of an already existing. Okay. Yeah, I think slight variants we could deal with from a vaccine perspective. If, if, there's, if, it, if it starts getting into big variants like the flu, that, that that's a that's a bad time but at least i mean i think at this point the 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 consensus i've seen from from virologists is that it seems like a vaccine for this is feasible whether that vaccine whether the immunity will be retained or whether we're going to need you know two or three boosters or just periodic boosters through life that remains to be seen so it's but man whatever sign me up <laughs> take my arm i would love to see an anti-vaxxer mom talk about this oh there are plenty yeah just go on facebook they're all over <laughs> is uh is the hope that the virus can um mutate itself out of existence so to speak which i've heard as possible um i think the fact that this thing spreads or can spread while it's asymptomatic means from the virus's point of view it doesn't care how lethal it is once you've got a clinical syndrome because if it can spread asymptomatically then it has no incentive to become less destructive that's a f- ebola fair way. yeah ebola infections um it's it's that's sort of similar it's why ebola keeps breaking out right because you can um well no ebola's a bit different uh, HIV actually would be would be an example of uh, an infection that spread asymptomatically, right? You can you can have an HIV infection for quite a long time before you develop frank AIDS That's true. or AIDS related or HIV related illnesses. So it's it's uh, it's very similar. And HIV with a 100% fatality rate had no problem um, staying just as lethal as it was and spreading and spreading and spreading. Sure hope that. But speaking of uh, you know HIV and the control with antiretrovirals. I certainly hope that some antiviral has some activity against this thing. Time will tell. That does make it, yeah. to, to yeah. think that may, you know the not being uh, mutating itself out of existence, that was kind of one of those things I just read yesterday or day before, and it was kind of encouraging. Yeah. Like, oh, that would be great. But it would be great. I, I guess, yeah, yeah. the way that's, that that's it been attacks. That's uh, another idea. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the way that it's floating it, around in, in Twitter. Yeah, it's true. That is I think I, I think yeah. that is where I read it. 
Yeah, all the Twitter virologists and epidemiologists. Who knew? Who knew there were so many who, virologists, epidemiologists, and public health experts? But Twitter, that's where they've all been hiding this whole time. That's right. All those egg accounts with the, their degrees. Um, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And three followers, but all the opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like as an economic standpoint, how has it changed there? Do you guys have a bunch of businesses closing? Like a lot of our small oh, businesses oh. didn't get their yeah. stimulus and they're taking private loans out to keep their business afloat. Has any of that happened wow. there? Well, in Canada, we had, we've had several stimulus packages come out and I think our federal government has been pushing out a lot of stimulus to individuals and to business owners, including very favorable loans to small businesses. Because of course, a lot of things have shut. There's a lot of stuff in Vancouver with just plywood boards up in the windows. And already the federal government is looking at what they're calling shovel-ready infrastructure projects once the pandemic starts to lift and the restrictions are able to be rationally lifted to get people back to work right away. Uh, so I think looking back to lessons like the the Great Depression or the Great Recession, um, if if you know if nobody if nobody's got jobs, nobody's demanding anything. So the only source of demand is the government. So hey, let's make some highways and bridges, and uh, I hope some solar panels. Ooh, solar! So we got a whole bunch that. of unemployed oil field workers. Yeah, I would love if we did if our state. Our Florida Power and Light has actually spent five to ten million dollars to stop the use of solar panels by independent contractors. You can only use uh, their creation of solar panels to go back into their power grid, and you don't get the tax breaks, you don't get the monetary benefit. So they've spent wow. a lot of money on lobbyists to prevent solar power here in the Sunshine State. I would love more that's freedom. Just, wow, that's just tragic and bizarre. And the and it's, and it's all about how it's written because you know the Florida Power and Light will send a, a bunch of letters to your house describing about how much they believe in solar power, and then mm. the way it's written and the laws that they're proposing with their lobbyists actually handcuffs us. I had another question, and then you talked about sure. the you threw you threw me off on the. Uh, Solar power, which is would be, would be great. <laughs> oh, because you're and you know PET scans inspect. Have you had to change yeah. anything of your job? Have you? Is there anything, or are you still primarily doing what you're certified and a genius in? I uh, well, I mean, just uh, speaking for myself, I voluntarily stopped taking my salary in mid March to kind of keep the company alive. But we've also had to cut staff salaries back by about half. Because our, our, a lot of our referring physicians, of course, have restricted their practices and referrals are our lifeblood. So mm -hmm. without the referrals, we're not doing any scanning. Um, uh, I hope that starts to turn around soon, but uh, there's obviously no way to predict or force it. I, I have, actually, and for us, that's uh, what I do in, in home health. We've actually increased business in certain aspects because... Mm. Doctors aren't seeing patients, but Medicare has allowed us to use telehealth, which telehealth okay. has increased um, our referrals because the doctors can only go based on symptoms, but it is a qualifying face-to-face -face encounter. So home health can go in there legally and get paid for it and 
now doctors actually kind of take us seriously, which is nice. So home, okay. health, home health, I guess, is kind of booming. But I guess a referral business like yours would be struggling because they're only oh, seeing yeah. emergent cases and our, um, our rave imaging. So you guys don't have a plan for phases, which is, I believe, it's at least Florida's plan is to go a four phase or five, four or five. But phase one is to open up gyms in the beaches, which is ridiculous. I don't know why a gym would be the first place to be opened back up besides the beach. But do you guys have anything like that? <laughs> uh, plans are being formulated. We haven't heard what those are yet because I don't think they're complete. And our Ministry of Health has been really careful about um, the way they've been kind of staging and releasing information and not releasing half-prepared information prematurely. They'd rather release a complete plan so that way there's no confusion and everybody is on page, including the media who reports it out. So we've been told that they are looking at how we begin to reopen. Um, and a big part of that is, is testing and getting testing capacity in place with faster testing and antibody testing as well to see who had the disease. So that piece is in place. And now the next question, which they're probably puzzling over right now, is what do we open and how and in what stages? It probably won't be gyms and beaches, though. Do you guys have enough tests? <laughs> Are you sure? We do. We've had really good testing capacity. In fact, we haven't even had to use our full capacity, which has been really great. Early on, we had uh, a call out going to our major universities to basically... Uh, provide testing reagents and um, grad students and postdocs skilled in handling these kinds of tests, uh, PCR testing for uh, for the RNA. And, and initially, you know, we were testing at capacity, but as things got contained and we got things figured out in terms of who needs testing and who can just sort of stay at home with the sniffles, um, that... that uh, helped us sort of stay on top of it and to scale up rapidly. We had a number of long-term care home outbreaks, which required enormous testing resources. So that was where a lot of the, the bulk of testing was focused, plus looking at healthcare workers at hospitals and other frontline locations. We we did have an issue with the long-term care too. The uh, but some of the companies did a really good job. We they the way they isolated, you know, removed all families from visiting. Uh, unless you were dying, no intakes with respiratory symptoms, keep them at the hospital where they're at. But the testing, they did, they really didn't test as well as they should have in long-term care. We, we, it seems like we constantly run out. We're, we're limited in our company at how many we can even get. So we have to, oh, wow. we have to thoroughly vet the, the patients before we go there to whether or not it's justified. Um, okay. Okay. How how long does it take for you guys to get results? I'm, I assume we're all getting the same test, but one doesn't really know for sure. Yeah, I um, our turnaround times have come down, so I'm not sure where they're at now. Initially, uh, I mean, we had some some results coming back in 24 hours. I don't know if we're going any faster than that now. And sometimes tests get so batch tests get a bit delayed. But we haven't run into major issues where we've had big chunks of tests. I know out in Ontario, 
they've had a uh, backlog of testing because they kind of saturated their laboratories. Whereas in BC, they made the smart decision that they would uh, rapidly approve new testing procedures at the BC Center for Disease Control and then say, okay, you're good to go. You don't, uh, so they, they would audit some tests through the BC CDC, but then just empower labs to independently test and say, that test is gold standard, it's good enough. So that allowed us to rapidly scale up our uh, resources. Plus the fact that the people who came forward to, to volunteer in this effort are very smart people of goodwill who wanted to do this you know, at high quality while also trying to do it at industrial scale. Uh, so it really worked out well. Um, I'm ready to be corrected on this. Our turnaround times are in the neighborhood of 24 hours. That's fabulous. I would take yeah. that. I, think, I, we, I don't think we were close to that before. I don't know how accurate we are right now, but it was way over 24 hours. Um, do you guys have a lot of false positives or false negatives? I think we found that we were getting false negatives in asymptomatic cases. So individuals who were being tested as part of an outbreak okay. uh, examination. So uh, some degree of false negatives there. So a lot of individuals were, uh, and then this is all being determined by, by on the you know on the scene public health officials whether to self isolate and what that looks like, and we also made the decision that individuals who have upper respiratory symptoms um, just stay home, don't bother coming in to get testing. You're just going to infect other people, uh, and I think once antibody tests come out, it'll be really interesting to kind of circle back to those. Those folks give antibody tests and find out, okay, was that coronavirus or not? Because we're definitely going to want to know how many people actually had it. Um, but for now, during the outbreak, it's, it's just much more important that you don't infect people. Just stay home, get someone to drop the groceries off. The stay at home, I think, would be the, yeah, the smartest. If you, if you have symptoms, you may as well treat it as a positive anyway makes way more sense than yeah, anything. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Plus we have, uh, we have a provincial health number here, 811 for health questions that are of a non-emergency nature. And what we did was we took all of our uh, graduating medical students, uh, pulled them off their clerkship rotations and put them on 811 and scaled up that, the capacity there because then initially, uh, people were waiting three hours to get through to a, a healthline nurse. Now, call volumes are still pretty high, but it's under a minute from from folks volunteering and, and uh, getting involved. So there are ways to very quickly find out whether you should get a test. We also have an online uh, resource that people can plug into through bccdc.ca to see whether they should call 811 or not. And uh, to see whether they are in a special case that needs testing. Plus, we also have in, in BC, and I'm assuming it must be something similar in Florida, we have a uh, respiratory viruses surveillance network. So swabs that get taken all over the province for different respiratory illnesses, primarily influenza-like illnesses. A lot of those are also being secondarily run through coronavirus testing. So we have random auditing of the whole population, which is helping to signal uh, whether previously undetected outbreaks are happening in various communities. And then public health just kind of swoops in and does proper uh, contact tracing when they when they hit a positive. Yeah, it seems like it's a kind of effective to not have a government that's trying to have companies make money. The social, the socialistic 
uh, socialism healthcare seems to be the way to go as far as no one's trying to cut a profit on something like this. You know, we have companies that the contract just got came through the $55 million to a company that didn't exist that the Pentagon paid to oh, wow. produce N95 mask and the company has no employees. Uh, uh, wow. I will, I <laughs> will send you that story. <laughs> they guaranteed delivery of the masks. The first batch was supposed to be April 16th, didn't come. They guaranteed it May 5th. So I'm gonna be following that story. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Shine a light on those rats. Exactly. No employees, but you're gonna make, and they're gonna be charging 550 a mask versus the 3M payment of 63 cents per mask. So there's wow. a lot of hinky stuff. I'm. I'm a little jealous. That's why I was going to vote for Bernie Sanders, but obviously he dropped out over here. So I'm all for Medicare for all. Would you ever change your system to a privatized system that we have based on insurance? And Yeah, I don't think so. I think if anything, what you might see arise in Canada is maybe some parallel private tracks in addition to a robust public system. But the, the public system, I don't ever see it seriously under threat or getting deconstructed. Um, we do have little pockets of private care here and there. So we have private surgical centers, we have private imaging, um, but those all always usually act in a supplementary fashion. It's basically, okay, you can get your CT scan through the public system, you're looking at a six month wait, um, or you can spend 600 bucks and uh, get a CT scan next week. So that's sort of the way that it's working at present in, oh. um, in Canada which is the, the, the way that we, we are operating. So most cancer imaging is through the BC Cancer Agency and uh, folks are uh, waitlisted um, to either get scanned here in Vancouver or over on Vancouver Island in Victoria. And for those who prefer not to wait, that we're an option. So that's kind of been our, uh, our mandate, a supplement, not a, uh, not a direct assault. On, uh, on public health care. I'm a big fan. I work, you know, I work in this tiny, this tiny aspect of private medicine, but I would never, ever advocate for dismantling of the public health care system here. I do. That seems kind of the best way to do it. You can get it for free in this long, or if you pay for it, you get it this long. You know, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Options. Um, not, not this kind of, uh, kind of <laughs> feast <laughs> ravaging upon public, uh, resources. What made you choose medicine? Oh, what made me choose medicine? Oh yeah, good question. Honestly, uh, I was in the Air Force back in the 90s. And uh, at that time I had uh, an interest in the space program. So I thought, well, okay, you know, what, what's, what's my best path to get into the space program? I'm in the Air Force. Well, maybe if I supplement that by going to medical school, but in Canada, you know, we hire like two astronauts every 10 years. So forget it, it's like winning the lottery. But hey, you know, I got the second prize, which is getting to be a doctor, which is a pretty great job. So <laughs> I have no complaints. That's awesome. All right, I think you answered all my questions. And all right, well, yeah. thank you for coming on with me, Dr. Rob. And, you uh, bet. We're doing, you're doing viral transmissions every Sunday? Sunday night, 7 Pacific, so I guess 10 Eastern. 10 Eastern. We're live and then uh, available just about everywhere afterwards as either the, uh, the video or, uh, or the podcast. I do love seeing all you guys back together from Caustic Soda with that Joe and 
touring. Doing touring. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of good getting the band back together. Is there who's on tonight? Because it seemed like the first the first night was different than the guy last week who was the exercise guy. That's right. That's right. So tonight it's going to be Dr. Ian Cromwell. He has a He's a health economist and he has a PhD in epidemiology. And we're going to be looking at uh, epidemiological modeling, which has been the buzz all this past week. And all the modeling experts have found their way to Twitter. So we're going to get the lowdown on, all right, what's, what, are the, what is a model? How do they work? What can they tell us? What can't they tell us? You know, what are their, what are their limitations as well as their benefits? So I'm looking forward to the conversation. That seems like a really good episode. I will be there. Uh, Excellent. Thank you for coming on with me. And uh, I look forward to talking to you more on Twitter and reading more of the stuff that you share because you get some great sources. Oh, you bet. It's a pleasure. Uh, Thank you so much, Dr. Rob. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. All right, everybody. That was the uh, the interview I had with Dr. Rob. I truly hope to get to talk to him again. Uh, this has been the On Call Podcast. I'm currently trying to check out some equipment. I ordered a bunch of stuff a while ago because it seems like my audio doesn't come through quite as well as everybody else's. Uh, from from what I looked up, it's because my microphone actually runs on like a lower resonance. So people hear hear they hear me quieter than they hear other people especially you can probably hear in that interview dr rob sounds fabulous i sound a little uh, softer so uh, i ordered a mic as soon as i unboxed this thing and you know this virus is really you know it's real when it's messing up amazon shipping so anyway this is the on call podcast you can hit me up on google you can do a at uh, on call pod on twitter you can uh, hit me up on callpod at gmail.com. You can find me now on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, all under uh, OnCallPod, one word. I hope you guys have a great night and give a listen. If you're listening to me on Apple, why don't you go ahead and hit the subscribe button, five stars. Why don't you guys have a great night? Thanks for listening to the On Call Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at On Call Pod. Interested in being a sponsor or want to be on the show? Drop us an email at oncallpod at gmail.com. For more info, go to oncallpod.com.